What it is, yo? What's up? This is your host, The Real Talk Sports, Deontay Smith, and today I'll have a guest, Mike Goldman, coming through to talk some Ole Miss basketball. Um, so earlier this week, Andy Kennedy had a press conference uh, about his future at Ole Miss, and the future is mm, there is no future. He was going to be leaving or stepping down at the end of the year. Um, I'm pretty sure he was fired, but for the optics, he's been there for 12 years. Ross Bork, the AD, at least owed him some respect and allowed him to back out. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? If you would like to call in, give me your opinion on who you think the next coach of Ole Miss is going to be. If you're not familiar with Ole Miss, do your research. They're a Power 5 school. Just got a new arena. Uh, and they are in the heart of the Bob Belt in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, shout out to the home team. Or the hometown, I'll say that. Um, so leave a voicemail at 769-242-1615. Or just call in via Anchor. Now we're about to get mic'd up. <laughs> What's up, Mike? What's going on, Tay? How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Uh, kind of spur of the moment, but I just started calling this set this segment with you, mic'd up. How's that sound to you? Sounds great, man. Sounds great. Talking about Ole Miss basketball. Uh, as before, I mentioned, um, Ole Miss is going to start a, a coaching search after Adam Kennedy, Andy Kennedy, has decided to step down. Uh, what makes Ole Miss an attractive head coaching spot? To be completely honest with you, the last 12 years under Andy Kennedy, uh, Ole Miss basketball has improved leaps and bounds. Uh, they have the new basketball arena, the pavilion that replaced uh, the tad, tad pad. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Andy Kennedy has had a lot of success at Ole Miss. It hasn't shown, really, in, as far as tournament appearances go. But, uh, I mean, he's had 11 straight winning seasons, and he's won 20 games at least nine times. So, I mean, the the, the, the background for success has already been laid, so the next coach just kind of, you know, build on it. So, so uh, before you got on, I, I dropped a little tidbit about why I thought he was resigning. Um, I really think he's being fired. Um, but they're, after being there for 12 years, putting the time and taking us where we are today, um, they allowed him to resign publicly. Um, why do you think they decided to go a different direction from Andy Kennedy? I think the, uh, the bottom line was that you weren't really making NCAA tournament appearances. I mean, they made the NIT, what, five or six times? Uh, they only made, what, two NCAA tournament appearances. Right. Uh, and I think, really, that was a deciding factor. It wasn't just the overall stand of where the program is. It was just they weren't getting to where they wanted to be as a as an athletic program. What do you think was the biggest hurdle from them taking that next step into being a consistent, um, making consistent trips to the big dance? Um, I really, I think it's going to be finding someone who can come in and bring talent to campus at Ole Miss there in Oxford. 
Uh, it's a beautiful campus. You've been there. I've been there. Um, but the, the bottom line is the basketball talent isn't as high in the state of Mississippi as it is in, in other states like Texas or Louisiana even. Um, the big key is just going to be finding ways to get four- and five-star guys to come to Oxford. I mean, he got Marshall Henderson here, and it was a great run with Marshall. Um, but I think it's been really tough for him to live up to that success. Um, and then he's also gotten guys from prep schools who just haven't panned out the way that he – like I thought Perez a couple years ago was going to be like the second coming of Kevin Durant, and uh, he just never panned out. So – it's a very attractive Power 5 school. You're going to be in the Southeastern Conference, somewhere very rich in talent. Um, the SEC is treading upward as far as respect amongst basketball conferences. Who are some leading head coaching candidates you think uh, can land at Ole Miss Kalan? I mean, if I'm Ross Bork, the, the very first phone call I make is going to be to Michael White down in Florida. But that's the uh, lateral movement. Do you, you consider that a lateral movement? No, actually, for him, it would probably be stepping down a peg because Florida's a, a national brand as far as basketball goes, but Ole Miss isn't really. Um, but, I mean, Mike White would be coming back to his alma mater. And, um, right. I mean, it's something that if you're Ross Bork, it doesn't hurt to make the phone call. Uh, but, I mean, the most – really the few names I'm hearing the most is going to be Kermit Davis at Mid-Tennessee State, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Dooley down at Florida Go- uh, Earl Grant at College of Charleston uh, are, the, are the three names I'm hearing the most. Uh, and from what I understand, uh, I read uh, a couple hours ago that Kermit Davis said he would take the job if it was offered to him. Wow. Okay, so who do you think fits best? Well, basketball is different when it comes to to a fit uh, because in basketball you can kind of come in and you can kind of mold your own program because you only have 13 guys on scholarship. Uh, it's not like into football where you have 85 scholarship players or, or even uh, baseball where you're going to have 30 people on your team. Uh, as far as who, who I would recommend, uh, these are really the five people that, that I would call if I'm Ross board. You got Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State. He's from the Bruce Pearl and Greg Marshall coaching tree. Uh, you got Eric Musselman out at Nevada. He's a former NBA coach with Golden State and with Sacramento. Uh, but he also has SEC ties. He coached at LSU under Johnny Jones a few years ago. Uh, Dan Hurley at Rhode Island. Um, believe it or not, the last two guys on my little list here is going to be Matt McMahon at Murray State. Uh, he took over after Steve Prom left. And then, uh, believe it or not, the guy's not even got a job right now, but Tom Crean, the former Marquette and Indiana coach. I am ex- I am on the, the Tom Crean train. Um, I really, I really do like him. Uh, so he made, he made four trips to the, to the tourney in his nine years at Indiana. Uh, he's proven his worth on the recruiting trail as he's seen guys, he sent guys to the NBA. And he also is a no stranger to postseason play. What makes him really attractive, I think, what make him really attractive to uh, to Ole Miss, is that he, in his last five years, employed, he posted top ten offenses. 
elite sco scoring and offense puts butts in the seat, and you really want to sell out the pavilion because you got to pay for it somehow. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, one other name to keep an eye on. Uh, I haven't seen his name mentioned anywhere, but if I'm Ross Bork, I, I at least have to consider this guy. But that's Dan Marley out at uh, uh, Grand Canyon University. Uh, he brought them from a Division Two to Division One. They're now in the well, it's, it's the whack, but it's not really the whack. Uh, but I mean, he he's won 98 games in five years there, so mm -hmm. you got to you got to look at him as well. So I, I do have a list of guys. Um, I, I mostly, I think they're going to pluck from the mid-major program someone who's proven. I really want to see them go out to someone very young like John Shire um, because he's the second. If, you, if there was a, a coach in waiting at Duke, he'd be second after Capel, Kaplan, I, I want to say is his name. Um, but he, he's 30, so he's really young. And it, it gives somebody, the program, someone to grow with. And a couple years ago, CBS Sports did a poll, and he was the number one coach to most likely become a coaching star. So I, I, I do see the potential in John Shire, but I don't think uh, anybody's going to be calling him. No, I don't think Ole Miss is going to give him a call, but I would love to see them at least interview him. Well, the thing about him is that uh, if he is going to be the, the coaching waiting per se at Duke, I'm sure Coach K would love for him to have some head coaching experience before, you know, he actually hands him the reins. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get a call or not. Um, but I do agree he should be considered. That that's just the bottom line. I do think he he can be a really, really, really great head coach one day. Uh, another guy I have is King Rice at Monmouth. Um, yeah. He has he he's coached the national team for the Bahamas. He's been an assistant on the Bandy staff, so he's no stranger to the SEC uh, recruiting base. Uh, and he he can coach his kids up to play against better competition because he's beaten UCLA, Notre Dame, and Georgetown since he's been the head coach there. Um, so I, I would like to see a minority get an opportunity or at least have have a, have a chance. Um, Lavelle M Moden at uh, North Central, North Carolina Central. Yeah. Uh, Coach K has talked really high on, of him. He's posted some of the best win totals in his first three years. I think he's been, this is his fifth year there. Um, so that he's a guy that I think is under the radar and who, who has a lot of respect amongst coaches, but it's really unheard of because of the, the MEAC that he coaches in. Well, another interesting aspect of all this is uh, is what's going to happen this all season is, as far as the FBI investigation goes, whether it be at Auburn, at, at Louisville, at Arizona, and all this. Uh, if Sean Miller gets let go at Arizona because of this, and there's no show cost penalty of any kind, Sean Miller needs to get a phone call. You think so? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> what about uh, Donnie Tindall? No. <laughs> oh, I would love to see him back coaching, but uh, I just don't want all the baggage that comes with him. Well, the thing about it is, is that, I mean, we've had this conversation before, not on a podcast, but just me and you talking. The problem with Donnie Tindall wasn't his on-the-court success. It was the off-court issues that got him as far as making sure his kids were eligible to play, and that was eventually his downfall at Southern Miss. But uh, 
I mean, as far as just X's and O's go, yeah, yeah, you can call him, but uh, I don't know if your program's going to end up in shambles or not. Sorry about that. I think... You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Alright. So let's switch gears, and let's talk. Are you, are you willing to switch gears a little bit? Yeah, let's, let's switch it up. Alright, so let's... We're going to stick to basketball, but I, I do want to get your trade reactions to what the Cavaliers, the big shakeup they did. Um, do you like it? Do you think they got any better, or they only got younger? So they're more treading uh, for the future rather than trying to win right now? I mean, in my opinion, they did get they, they did get better. They definitely got more athletic. And uh, and losing, or I should say getting rid of, Isaiah Thomas was, uh, was probably the best move for them. Uh, I'm not a Cavaliers fan, not a LeBron fan, but uh, I, I do think it's going to help them make a, uh, a postseason run. It's going to come down between them and the Celtics in the East. Do you believe the Lakers have a chance of getting them? They cleared up a lot of space, um, and I, I feel like he's willing to listen to anybody who can offer him the max. Uh, do you think they have a legit shot? Yeah, I really do, just because it's the Lakers, and uh, and LeBron loves to be in the spotlight. So, uh, yeah, I think they have a shot. Uh, I, I'm not sure what LeBron wants to do, though. See, I... I in a sense, I feel like he he wants to leave because of Gilbert, the owner, Dan Gilbert. But I also believe he doesn't want to do that to his legacy, to the city again. Because um, LeBron cares a lot about how people see him. Um, because you you know you saw that in Miami when he tried to be a, the villain for the first year there, and they really put a lot more of a burden on him. So I really think he wants to be accepted and liked by everyone. And I think the only thing that would be acceptable and liked is him staying in Cleveland. Well, the thing about it is, is that after his, his first run in Cleveland, you know, he bolted for South Beach. My thing is, and, and I think a lot of Cleveland fans would agree, is that you know, they were mad then because he didn't bring them that elusive title to the city that they had been wanting. Mm-hmm. Well, now they have that title. So I think a lot of people are going to be okay with it. Okay, let's move on from LeBron. Let, let's start building something else. And with the, the trades they made, they're kind of doing that. They're kind of preparing for if LeBron does leave, their roster isn't going to be in, in complete and utter chaos. Right. Now, so I want to say two nights ago, the Warriors and Steve Kerr, well, the coaching staff of the Warriors took the night off against the Suns, and they still ended up winning by, I think, like 40. Or, well, I'll, I'll say 30. Um, what, is that a problem to you, him allowing coaches to uh, – the players to coach themselves? In the NBA, the players do coach themselves. Uh, <laughs> so, no, it's not a problem for me. The, the thing is, is that the Warriors are by far the best team in the NBA, although they have the most talent in the NBA. Um and Steph Curry, Thompson, Durant, they know what they're doing. It's not a problem. Not, not a problem at all. So I, uh, I listen to a lot of other people's podcasts. Uh, there is a podcast out there called Jalen and Jacoby, and they do not allow LeVar Ball slander. But this is not that <laughs> program, <laughs> and you can say whatever you want about him. Do you like his parenting methods and the things that he says? LeVar Ball is a moron. That, that, that's all I'm 
say that he's not even worth talking about. So he said he said that Lonzo Ball would not resign with the Lakers if they did not sign. He's and he's going to sign with any team that signed his three sons. Um, do you think? I think Lamelo may have a chance in two years or three years uh, be an NBA level player, but I don't think Jello has that kind of talent. But do you think uh, all three make it to the NBA? I think he wants all three to make it to the NBA. And for some reason, he's trying to live vicariously through his kids. Uh, and I think that's his biggest issue. But I think two are going to make it. I'm not sure about the third. Okay, uh, let's talk about some baseball because I know you are a baseball fan. Um, do you like what your L.A. Dodgers did this summer? Well, this winter? Um, Yes and no. Uh, I agree with getting rid of Adrian Gonzalez and trying to shed some salary cap, but you traded him to the Braves and you got Matt Kent back who has just as much salary cap. Um, I'm happy they did not re-sign you, Darvish. I'm happy he's in the Windy City of Chicago now. I'm sure Nick Dill will love that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I, I like I like the standing of, of the team. Uh, the nucleus is there from last year. You still have the best pitcher in baseball and the best closer in baseball. Uh, the Dodgers are really are going to be really good again this year, uh, right along with Arizona and Colorado in a very tough NL West. So uh, you guys have some top prospects coming up for the spring. Uh, Walker Bueller and Alex Verdugo. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Uh, do you expect to see them make their roster at some point in the season? Uh, I do think they'll play this year at, at the big league level, but I don't think they're going to make the roster out of spring training simply because there's enough pieces left over from last year. Uh, as far as younger guys like Corey Seager and, and Cody Bellinger and the veterans like Justin Turner, they just re-signed Chase Utley. Um, I don't think they're going to make the roster out of spring training simply because we're going to have enough pieces there. And you'll see how it plays out throughout the year with this injuries and whatnot. But, yes, at some point I do expect him to get called up. But you guys lost a lot with, uh, I think, Andre Ethier is gone. Chase Utley is still a free agent. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, he's gone. Scott Casimir is gone. What? Like, how can y'all replace those? Those, those are big names. How can y'all replace them? Well, honestly, the uh, the biggest loss with Andre Ethier was his contract. So, uh, so that's definitely a good thing. Uh, Chase Utley did resign. He got resigned yesterday. Okay. okay. Um, Adrian Gonzalez, uh, I love Agon. He. Uh, he really helped build what's now the, the, the Dodgers of, the day, of today. Uh, but he's getting out of his prime, getting on up there in age. So I'm okay with him leaving. Uh, we have we have a few losses that that you might notice, but the nucleus is there. Justin Turner, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, uh, Yasiel Puig. Um, the position players are going to be fine. Once again, it's going to come back to how Dave Roberts, and I'm not a Dave Roberts fan, but how Dave Roberts is going to handle the pitching staff as far as Clayton Kershaw and Alex Wood and Rich Hill go. So, I'm going to ask you, how many wins do you believe your Dodgers have this year? Are y'all going to eclipse 100? Uh, I, it's going to be between 90 and 100. It's really going to depend on 
how healthy we can stay. Uh, losing Kershaw would be completely devastating as far as the pitching staff goes. Um, as far as a front-line starter, we have enough depth to overcome it, but we wouldn't have that dominant pitcher at the front of the rotation. Um, as far as position players, if we, if we lose a couple position players, like if we lost Bellinger or Corey Seager, that would be, be pretty devastating too. But for sure, uh, if everybody stays healthy, between 90 and 100 wins, yes. Okay, now let's uh, let's switch lanes one more time. Uh, Johnny Manziel has been on a interview tour. Um, do you think this is a an attempt to create buzz around his name to sell merchandise, or is he legitimately trying to get back into the NFL? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think he wants to play in the NFL again. Whether somebody takes a chance on him and, and gives him that opportunity, I, I doubt that happens. Uh, but I do think he wants to come back. I, I do, honestly, his best bet would be to go play in Canada for a few years and prove to NFL teams that he's going to be dedicated to playing football and and let the off the field stuff go. Uh, that would be his best option. But uh, with his personality, uh, I don't I don't think that's going to happen either. And how do you like the Frank Wright uh, hiring by the Colts? Um, I don't necessarily hate it. Uh, I just don't know how it's going to work out as far as him never having head coaching experience before. Um, but I mean, as far as talent level goes, you can do a lot worse than having Andrew Luck at quarterback. Uh, if he comes back healthy, uh, if Luck is going to be out for another year or even if he's done with football, then uh, you're basically starting over at quarterback, and that's never good. Ask the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> well, Mike, man, I really appreciate you coming through today for this segment of Mike Up. Um, is there anything you want to talk, touch on to talk about before you leave? Uh, let me think for a second. Uh, no, Tay, I believe I'm good, man. All right, man, I do appreciate you once again. And uh, I'm going to try to make this a weekly thing. Let's do it, buddy. All right, man, I'll talk to you later. Peace. All right, bye.